God. Hallelujah. You got your Bibles with you? Praise the Lord. Our theme, above and beyond. Everybody shout, above and beyond. Let's go, first of all, to Mark chapter 9. I want to talk to you about faith for the above and beyond. Faith for the above and beyond. I believe God's asking us to stretch our faith. Dare to believe big. Amen. Dare to believe big. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 9, I'm not going to read the whole story. You're familiar with it about the man who brought his son <clears throat> to uh, the disciples. And they're endeavoring to cast the devil out of this boy and struggled with it. And so Jesus makes this statement when the man said to him, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said in verse 23, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Everybody say, all things. All things. Look at your neighbor and say, that means no limitations. No limitations. Say it again, no limitations. no limitations. Isn't it amazing how God puts no limitations on what we can believe for? Now, religion does. Religion puts limitations. They tell us what we can have and what we can't have. They tell us what we can believe for and what we can't believe for, but God doesn't. All things means all things. No limitations. But Jesus said, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him that believes. The basic English translation says, all things are possible to him who has faith. All things are possible to him who has faith. Well, let's narrow this down and find out who he's talking about. Let's go to the 11th chapter of the book of Mark. The 11th chapter of the book of Mark. One of the most famous chapters on the subject of faith. Jesus said in verse 22, have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's talking to his disciples. But we know it doesn't end with those 12 because later uh, in the book of John, we find where Jesus was praying for his disciples and then he added this, and I pray not for these only, but those that shall believe according to their word. In other words, those who in the future would become a disciple because of what they preached, passed down from generation to generation. So eventually it got to you and me. So we were included in his prayer. Can you say amen? amen. Say, I was included in Jesus' prayer. So he says, have faith in God. So he's talking to you and me just as much as he was to them. Now, you know, there are other translations that say, have the God kind of faith and have the faith of God. But the fact that Jesus said, have faith, yeah. implies that we can have faith. Yes, sir. Amen? Yes, sir. We can have faith. Yeah. Jesus would not tell us, have something, and then say, you know, I'm sorry, I was just uh, kind of caught off guard. I wouldn't have said that if I'd have been really thinking. No, he said, have faith. So that implies I can have faith. Not only that, but I can have the God kind of faith. And what does the Bible say about God's faith? Nothing is impossible with God. So if I have the God kind of faith, then that means nothing is impossible to me. Let me try this other side of the auditorium. Nothing is impossible to me. Why? Because I have the God kind of faith. Don't tell me to have something and then refuse to give it to me when I attempt to receive it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. If you say, Brother Jerry, I'd like to bless you with a motorcycle, and I come for it, and then you won't give it to me, you should have never told me to start with. Right. Come on. 
when God says have faith, then that means I can have faith. And then when he makes it very clear, and I'm talking about the God kind of faith, now I can have the God kind of faith, and nothing's impossible with him. And if I got his kind of faith, nothing is impossible to me. No limitations. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Amen. No limitations. Have faith in God. Romans chapter 12 tells us that when we're born again, verse 3, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. How many of you are born again? Lift both hands. Then that means, praise God, that you were dealt the measure of faith the moment you received Jesus, the Lord of your life. Now, Bible also says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I was given the measure of faith, but I keep hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God, then my measure is going to increase. Does that make good sense to you? Like that woman told me when I first got a hold of this, uh, you can't have faith like Oral Roberts. I said, why not? She said, well, he's special. Well, I believe he's special, but what's that make the rest of us? Why can't I have faith like Oral Roberts? Well, you just can't. And then she came up with some ridiculous revelation, but that's not what the Bible said. And the Lord said to me, the only difference in your faith right now and Oral Roberts' faith right now, at that time, that's 47 years ago, he said, the only difference between your faith right now and Oral Roberts' faith right now, he took his measure and grew it. What are you going to do with yours? So I started growing my faith. Hallelujah. I took the measure God gave me at the new birth and I started growing it, praise God. And my faith is much higher, much stronger today than it was 47 years ago. Things I struggled with 40 years ago, I don't struggle with now. Things I struggled with 35 years ago, I don't struggle with now. Hallelujah. My faith has grown. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Write this down. It's my faith. God gave it to me. No one has the right to put limitations on it. It's my faith. God gave it to me. And no one has the right to put limitations on it. Now, say that with me. It's my faith. God gave it to me. And no one has the right to put limitations on it. And if you believe it, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Now, I've given you the King James translation. I've given you the basic English translation for Mark 9, 23. But let me give you the Seville translation. Here's what I, I hear Jesus saying. If you'll supply the faith, then I'll supply the power to make it happen. Hallelujah. If you'll supply the faith, talking about you and me. If you will supply the faith, then I will supply the power to make it happen. Does that sound like a good translation to you? Amen. I'm working on the rest of the Bible. Hallelujah. Jesus is able to do anything we need him to do. Not only is he able to do anything we need him to do, he's willing. I love that. He's willing. When When the leper said, If you will, you can heal me. Jesus said, I will. I will. Anything else you'd like me to do? That's the way I see him saying it. Uh, What is it you need? Cleansing of the leprosy? Yes, I can do that. See, the man believed Jesus could. He said, I know you can if you will. So he knew Jesus could. He wasn't sure if Jesus would. So Jesus helped him out and said, I will. I will. Is there anything else you'd like me to do? Whatever it is, I can do that too. Not only that, I will. (laughs) I believe that's the way Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Isn't he good? Wouldn't a good good person act that way? If they had the ability to do something for somebody, if they're a good person, wouldn't they be willing to do it? And he is good. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, praise God. Amen. So I believe Jesus is asking us the same thing today. Uh, Is there anything else I could do for you? 
Like Brother Jesse said last night, he was totally satisfied with the, with the Falcon 50 that he's flying right now. Great airplane, praise God. Oh, wonderful airplane. Been in it with him. We flew to Italy in it this year. Uh, he and, and Kathy and, and Carolyn and I flew to Italy in that plane. Man, it was first class. And the service was amazing. Jesse is a good stewardess. Uh, flight attendant. <laughs> Amen. And Kathy, dear Lord, I, she said, would you like to have a sandwich, Jerry? I said, yes. That thing was this thick, man. Never ate a sandwich that thick in my life. It's good, it's good service on JDM Airlines. Hallelujah. You know, and she, uh, and, and they're totally happy with that airplane. But do you remember what the Lord said to him? Jesse, is that all I can do? Are you shutting me down? Is that all I can do? See, we, religion has taught us that getting God to do something is almost impossible. That, that you know, he, I mean, he's, he's hard. You have to catch him on the right day. Make sure he's in a good mood. Hadn't too many people been bugging him today. You know, and then he might. You never know what God will do. No, that's not God at all. I believe the attitude of Jesus would be, um, what do you want me to do? I can do it. I'm willing to do it. What would you like for me to do? And then you tell him, you say, is that all? Is that all? Amen. And, and in reminding you, now listen, there are no limitations on your faith. I gave you that faith. It's yours. And no one has the right to put limitations on it. So, Ask big. Right. Look at your neighbor and say, ask big. <clears throat> A lot of Christians are afraid to ask big. Amen. They're afraid to ask big. There is no lack of power on God's part. The question is, how's your faith? There's no lack of power or ability <clears throat> or even willingness on God's part. The question is, how's your faith? Where is your faith? Jesus would say. Another way to translate this, and this is the Savelle paraphrase, amplified. I believe this is a good way to say it. <clears throat> I believe Jesus is saying, I have the power to make anything happen and I'm willing to do it can you believe it? If so, then get ready. I'll make it happen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Let me say that again. I have the power to make anything happen. And I'm willing to do it. Can you believe it? If so, then get ready. I will make it happen. Glory to God. What's that do for your faith? It inspires mine, praise God. It, it takes me to another level. Amen. 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 It, it takes all of the, the uh, uh, timidity away, all of the fear away. Uh, it, it, it causes a, a boldness yes. to dare to believe for big hallelujah. Yes. Come on. No matter what anybody else says. You know, sometimes uh, I've had people, uh, you know, attack me. Uh, with their words and so forth and their, and their persecution for something I was believing for. And, and the Lord would just imply, ignore them. I don't have to be rude to them, but just ignore them. It's not their faith. It's not their project. It's mine. Amen. When, when Terry's fingers were cut off way back there years ago, and, and there was wonderful people that endeavored to comfort us during that time. You know, when your baby's, what, 13 months old or something like that, and, and her fingers are cut off behind, behind the first joint, and the medical science says it's impossible. They'll ever be normal again, just two little nubs. And we're believing God for the impossible, for a miracle, something that medical science cannot do. Come on. And church people come to your house and say... 
You know, don't get your hopes up too high. Don't you know the doctor said it's impossible? And, and sometimes <clears throat> I just tell them, I, I appreciate your sincerity, but you can leave now. Thank you. We're not going to listen to that kind of talk in our house. If you can't mix your faith with ours, uh, there's the door. This is our faith project. This is our baby. Don't put limitations on my faith. Amen. And God did the miraculous. And he restored Terry's fingers. Even the doctor later was amazed. He, he, he said it was a miracle. And you have to understand, he served Buddha. And he knew Buddha did do this. And he knew he didn't do it. It had to be God. Hallelujah. Amen. But if we'd have listened to other people, they would have enforced their limitations on our faith, but we wouldn't do it. Amen. You got to get to the place where you turn a deaf ear to what everybody else is saying. Amen. In a few moments, I'm going to talk about uh, four things that will limit your faith. And that is one of them, but we'll get into that a little later. So once again, I believe Jesus is saying, I have the power to make anything happen, and I'm willing to do it. Can you believe it? If so, then get ready. I will make it happen. Speaking of Abraham's faith, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 4.21, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. In other words, Abraham got to the place in his faith where his attitude became, if God says he can do it, he can do it. If God says he will do it, he will do it. End. Period. Exclamation mark. That settles it. Amen. If God says he can do it, and God says he will do it, <clears throat> then it's not open for discussion any longer. Can you say amen? Sometimes people think we're being hard by having that kind of attitude. No, I'm protecting my faith. If God says he can, he can. If God says he will, he will. That settles it. Amen? That's not open for discussion. Yeah, but what if? Well, I learned a long time ago, you have to get rid of all the what ifs in your life. What if it doesn't happen? But what if it does? What if God doesn't come through? But what if he does? What if that never comes to pass? But what if it does? If you're going to deal with what ifs, my what ifs are going to be positive. Yes. Yes. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. That's right. I can just come right behind you and, and change the whole thing by being positive. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, but Brother Jerry, we tried that and it didn't work. Well, I've been doing it for 47 years and it's still working. <laughs> Amen. Well, would I want to listen to somebody who says it won't work? Amen? Oh, Brother Jerry, you're being hard. No, I'm being protective. I'm protecting my faith. Hallelujah. So Jesus is encouraging us to believe God for just as big as we possibly can. All things are possible to him that believes. Amen? You know, a lot of times people struggle with, with when... God blesses somebody with more than one. Well, I just don't believe anybody I have two motorcycles. Well, all I can tell you is you'll never have two motorcycles. <laughs> you just don't believe anybody I'll be blessed with two motorcycles. <laughs> I just happen to believe he does. That one's mine. That one's mine. And I didn't buy either one of them. I got, I, they were blessed to me. Now, what am I supposed to say? God, don't give me any more motorcycles. Somebody might not understand. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he gave them to me. And they're a tool. Do you know this bike is a one of a kind? There's not another one like it in the world. It's a custom-built bike. It won an easy rider contest. First place, easy riders, outlaw organization. Won first place, was on the, uh, a major motorcycle magazine. 
and it's mine. <laughs> it's a soul-winning machine. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. It attracts people. Amen. And, and where'd you get a bike like that? Oh, I, I thought you'd never ask. Yeah. The Lord blessed me with that. Yeah. Right. You remember, we all were with me. We were down in Daytona at Bike Week. And, and uh, was it the first or second time we went to Bike Week down there? I think it's the second time. And we're just walking around, you know, and, and uh, uh, somebody had called me before I went down there and said, Brother Jerry, if you find a bike down there you like, let me know. I want to bless you with one. And we just walking around, and that thing jumped all over me because I love 57 Chevrolets. I said, I found my bike. He said, how much? I told him he didn't even blink. Gave me a check for it and said, there you go, buddy. Praise God. Amen. What's wrong with me having that? You know, the person who's jealous is because they don't have it. Amen. T.L. Osborne, <clears throat> Osborne told me, <clears throat> excuse me, a long time ago, there are only two kind of people in the world, those who cheer you and those who jeer you. Come on. And he said, those who cheer you, they worship the ground you walk on. He said, those who jeer you, that's their carnal way of saying, I wish I was you. <laughs> those who criticize you they don't know any other way of saying I wish this was all happening to me so they criticize you for it happening to you but you know what he went on to say don't pay any attention to either one they're both dangerous he said no it's wonderful that people you know cheer you but he said be careful and don't let it go to your head because pride cometh before a fall and he said, and those who jeer you, don't pay any attention to that either. Amen? Amen. So, you know, you, you're, you're grateful that people love you. Thank God people love you. Everybody wants to be loved. But then they go to telling you how great you are and how wonderful you are. That's when you just have to, you know, put a smile on your face and say thank you. And then don't let it go to your head. Amen? Yeah, Amen. Yeah, right. The only one I'm concerned about who thinks I'm great is Jesus. I want him saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Of course, I want Carolyn thinking I'm the greatest husband in the world. I want my children thinking I'm the greatest father in the world. And I want my grandchildren thinking I'm the greatest grandchildren in the world. And, and that all goes to my head, I'm sorry to say. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Now, we have to be careful that we don't allow what other people say to put limitations on our faith. God's ready to take us higher. God's ready to take us higher, above and beyond. And you say amen. But you never get there if you're going to continue to allow other people to put limitations on your faith. Now, Ephesians 3.20, you're all familiar with it. But let me read it from the Amplified Bible. It says that God is able to do super abundantly far over and above, above and beyond, all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Let me read it again. God is able to do super abundantly, far over and above, all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. And notice the word dare. I love that. I believe what God is saying is, I dare you to dream your biggest dream. I dare you to think your biggest thought. I dare you to ask your biggest request. I dare you to have desires that are bigger than any desires you've ever had. And ever, whatever, uh, however big that is, I am bigger than that. Can you say amen? Anybody ever taken a dare? When you grow up in the South, and you're a, you're a young boy in the South, you never turn down a dare. 
and especially a double dog dare. I don't know where that come from, but nobody worth their salt as a young boy in the South refuses to accept a double dog dare. Whatever it is. I don't know where that phrase come from, but it gets stuck in the minds of Southern boys. I don't know if you guys up north do it or any other country. Y'all have double dog dares? Oh, in Australia, they have double dog dares. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. South Africa. Yeah. Boy, I got double dog dared to do a lot of stuff. And I don't ever remember turning one down. Even if, you know, and you don't even think this might kill me. <laughs> when, when Carol and I were dating and, and I was in college in Natchitoches, Northwestern, they called it Northwestern State University back then. I don't know what they call it now. I think it's still Northwestern something. But anyway, I was at Northwestern in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And uh, uh, a buddy that I graduated from high school with, he and I were lifeguards down at the river uh, uh, there that's were near, that was near the uh, campus. And everybody would go out there, especially in the warm time, you know, and they'd go out there and go swimming and something after classes and all that. And he and I were down there, and they had this bridge across the river. And uh, a bunch of us guys got to where we were diving off of that bridge. And then that wasn't enough. We'd climb on top of the railing and dive off the bridge. It was quite high. And so Carolyn and his girlfriend, they were both back home, seniors in high school, and they came to see us. And, and, and uh, uh, Mike and I are uh, there. Uh, we took them to the river where we, where we were. And uh, we're just laying there, you know, uh, in the sand or whatever, uh, enjoying the, the sunshine and all. And somebody come up and said, Savelle, your turn. I said, what now? I double dog dare you to do a one and a half off there. I said, Carolyn, I'll be back in a minute. She said, where are you going? I said, you see that bridge? I'm going to go do a one and a half off of it. She said, you are not. I said, I am too. She said, you could kill yourself. I said, it was a double dog dare. You can't turn down no double dog dare. And I did it. And then I went to the next guy and said, you're next. I double dog dare you to do two front flips off of it. He got up. I mean, this may kill me, but he got up. You know, you just didn't turn down a double dog dare. I hear God saying every time I read that verse, Jerry, I double dog dare you. I double dog dare you to ask me for the biggest thing you've ever asked for. Ask me for the largest amount you've ever asked for. Amen. Dream your biggest dream. I dare you, son. I'm not turning down a dare, especially not from God, when he has the power to make it happen. Can you say amen? Look at your neighbor and say, above and beyond. <clears throat> say, no limitations. Say, don't limit God. And don't limit yourself. Now, Let's look at four things that will limit your faith. Number one, small thinking. Small thinking. When God says all things are possible to him that believes, then it means you're going to have to elevate your thinking because he's talking no limitations. So number one, that will limit your faith is small thinking. And you know, the body of Christ by and large is notorious for thinking small. Now, I said this this past Sunday and I'll, I'll repeat it because many of you were not here. I had the privilege of, of being around big thinkers with Brother Copeland, Brother Hagen, Oral Roberts, I was, I was blessed and privileged to be in association with them and, and preach with them and, and be friends with them and, and even covenant relationship with those three men in particular. And they were all big thinkers. 
And, and every time you got around them, they elevated you. They, they brought you up to another level. As I said in one of the services, Oral Roberts would not stay around you if you thought small and talk small. Right. He'd just ignore you. Walk off. Yeah. Just leave you talking. He, he did something to me, and you've all heard me tell it. It's my sermon. I can tell it again if I want to. <laughs> he did something to me in Kenya one time when, when I was asking the president of the nation for land to build a medical facility on. And I had my blueprints of what this facility was going to look like and, and uh, how much land I thought we needed to build this facility. And we were to meet with the president of the nation, who was Daniel Moy at the time, and uh, some of his cabinet members. And, and uh, so when we arrived, Brother Roberts went with me uh, because he was going to staff it with doctors and nurses from ORU, and he was going to equip it. My job was to build it, and then he was going to staff it and equip it. And so um, uh, Brother Roberts wanted to go with me. So we get there, and we are supposed to meet with the president and his cabinet. And as it turned out, the president had an emergency meeting, so he sent the vice president and his cabinet. And Brother Roberts and I are sitting on one end of the room, and the vice president and his cabinet on the other end. And uh, I'm making my presentation of, of what, how much land I thought we needed to build this. And uh, I'm making the presentation, and I noticed Brother Roberts to my right is writing on this napkin, and I don't know what he's writing, and then he wads it up and throws it at the end of the table. Well, we're engaged with the vice president. And the vice president's talking, and Brother Roberts never looked up. He just kept writing on his napkin, and he'd wad it up and throw it at the end of the table. He got four or five napkins he's thrown down at the end of the table, and he acts like he's not paying attention at all. And I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, this is rude. You know, this is the vice president of the nation. And then he finally writes something on here and hits me on the arm while the vice president is talking <laughs> and puts his napkin in front of my face and says, read this. I said, Brother Roberts, can this wait? The, the vice president's talking to me. Read this. <laughs> I said, Brother Roberts, please. I'm asking the man for some land to build the medical facility. Read this. I said, excuse me, sir. I looked at it. I couldn't figure out what it was. I said, Brother Roberts, I'm sorry. I don't know what that says. I handed it back to him, and I'm acting like I'm listening to the vice president again. Look at it closely. Excuse me, sir. Brother Roberts, I do not know what that says. Please tell me. This is an important meeting. What does it say? He said, that's Oral Roberts spelled backwards. I said, this is what you've been working on for the last 45 minutes? Oral Roberts spelled backwards? I said, are we boring you? He said, you bore me, he bores me, everybody in this room bores me. I said, why? He said, because you're all small thinkers. I said, well, what makes you say that? He said, you're not asking for enough land. I said, well, what do you think I should be asking for? He said, tell him we want 10 times that amount of land. Amount of land. Now, this is my project, but all of a sudden, we want 10 times more land. I said, what? He said, ask him for 10 times more that amount of land. I said, I feel led of the Lord to have you ask him for 10 times. He said, we want 10 times more. Said, yes, sir. Gave it to us. And then Brother Roberts handed me that napkin and said, don't you ever think small and talk small in my presence again. Yes, sir. So you know what I learned from that? When people talk small around me, I write Jerry Savelle on the back of a napkin. Praise God. <laughs> Brother Roberts had, make no small plans here on his desk. Every time I'd sit across from him, I'd see that plaque. Make no small plans here. I love that. 
Brother Richard Roberts blessed me with the plaque. I have it on my desk now. Make no small plans here. Hallelujah. Think big. Didn't God just say, I dare you? I dare you to think big. I dare you to dream big. Above and beyond. See, when, when, when we start talking each year about, you know, how many souls we're believing for to be one during the course of the year, Bill and Junior pray about it, and then they communicate with me about it. And, you know, some few years back, we're believing for 5,000 souls this year. So we believe for 5,000. We never won 5,000 before. I mean, that was, that was big yeah. at that time. And, and God did it. Well, praise God, what are we going to do this year? Well, we're believing for 10,000 souls. That was big back then. 10,000 people come to Christ through chariots of light in one year. That's big. But God did it. We're going to believe for 30,000 souls last year. That's big. 30,000 people come to Christ just through the motorcycle ministry. God did it and above and beyond. Then this year, I'm waiting for Bill to tell me what the Lord's saying to him about how many souls. You know, really, I thought he was going to say about 50,000. 100,000. Hallelujah. 100,000. 100,000. Everybody say 100,000. There's some churches that don't win $100,000 in a lot. People to Christ in a lifetime, much less a year. But I keep hearing say God saying, "I dare you, Bill. I dare you, Ginger. I dare you, Chariots of Light. Huh? I dare you. Think big, above and beyond. We're an above and beyond ministry. Praise God. We're not going to limit God. God can do that." And who knows what he'll be telling us to do next year. Amen. Hallelujah. And I don't believe this is just for us as a ministry. I believe God wants you to elevate your thinking in your own personal life and your own personal believing, praise God. Amen. Dare to do it. You know, when, when, when Carol and I first started, we didn't have anything. Needed everything. And, and, you know, uh, I went back here, Jerry and had in the archives now, uh, my first board meeting, my financial report of what I needed to run this ministry, you know, 47 years ago or whatever it was. And, and I'm looking at that again the other day. And, and uh, you know, salaries alone for me and one secretary. How much was it? About 800 bucks, 600 for me and 200 for her. It was uh, 1200 a month. 1200 a month. For the whole expense. The whole expense to operate was $1,200 a month. And then I remember putting a little clause down at the bottom. This does not include long distance telephone calls. <laughs> 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 but I didn't know how much we gonna spend on long distance calls, you know? Talking to people about accepting meetings and so forth. $1,200 a month. Dear Lord, I couldn't open the door for an hour for $1,200 a month now. Much less a, a whole month. <laughs> and what happened? God just told us, keep stretching. Keep stretching. Keep believing. Keep believing bigger. Keep believing bigger. Amen. God has no limitations on your faith. The only one that puts limitations on it is us. And here's one of the major ways that it happens. N small thinking. Look at your neighbor and say, get rid of your small thinking. <clears throat> Number two, negative talking. Negative talking. A lot of people never get into the above and beyond because they think too small and they talk negative all the time. Amen. You know, God rebuked his people. It's recorded in Psalm 78. And actually says in about verse 40 or 41, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Yeah. And if you study that chapter out and you go back 
it's, re, it's actually a, kind of a refresher uh, or a summary of, of what they were doing back there in Exodus, you know. And he, he said that the reason they limited him is because every time he did a miracle for them, they'd praise him for a short time, but then the next time another problem arose, they would ask, but can he do this? He'd do that, and they'd praise him for a short time, and then, but can he do this? No matter how many miracles, excuse me, no matter how many miracles he performed in their behalf, the next obstacle, they would stop and ask, but can he do this? And the Bible says they provoked him. You can provoke God by thinking small and talking negative. You know, I'd hate to think that when I approach God, he don't want to hear anything I have to say. Because I, I don't talk on his level. I mean, I'll never forget this as long as I live. 1969, <clears throat> this is all new to me. I'm sitting in that guest bedroom. I'm listening to those reel-to-reel tapes of Kenneth Copeland's. And, and I'm hearing things I've never heard before in my life. And it's changing my life. And now, man, I'm, you know, uh, I've never heard anybody preach like this but Kenneth Copeland. And then he talks about Kenneth Hagin a lot in those messages. So I thought, well, I know there's at least two people who are like this. You know, this faith people. Come on. Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagin, apparently. And, and, uh, Man, you know, you get to the place where somebody who's just continually feeding your spirit and revelation is coming through what they're preaching, then you can't help but kind of put them on a pedestal. You know, you think, man, I wish I had faith like this guy. I wish I knew God like this guy. You know, and so that's the way I thought about Brother Copeland. And, of course, he's here in Fort Worth. I'm in Shreveport and... He's come there to preach twice at this time. So I don't really know him well. But boy, everything on those tapes are just taking me to another level in my life. And so I'm listening. And, and of course, I, the more I listen, the more I admire. And the more I respect this man, you know, for his faith. And uh, I'm listening to a tape one day. And he said, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I heard. He said, when I first started listening to Kenneth Hagin, he said, Kenneth Hagin would make statements like, this morning when I got up, the Lord said something to me at breakfast. He turned the tape off. These were big old reel-to-reel tapes. He turned it off and said, Gloria, God eats with Kenneth Hagin. <laughs> he turned the tape back on. In a little while, Brother Hagin would say, um, I was driving to the office the other day, and the Lord spoke to me. Brother Copeland turned the tape off and said, Gloria, he not only has breakfast with, with Brother Hagin, God rides around in the car with him. Now, you see, he's just learning. And he turned the tape back on. Brother Hagin said, the other night I sound asleep, and the Lord woke me up and said thus and so, Gloria, Brother Hagin, God eats breakfast with him, drives around in the car with him, sleeps with him, wakes him up. So Brother Copeland said, God, why don't you eat with me? Why don't you ride around with me? Why don't you go to bed with me? I couldn't believe what I heard Kenneth Kenneth Copeland say that God said to him. He said, God said to him, son, I don't enjoy your company. I reversed that and I thought, I didn't hear that. I turned it back on and he said, son, I don't enjoy your company. You and I don't talk the same language. You start talking my language, I'll sleep with you, I'll ride with you, I'll eat with you. Hello. 
That's good. Come on, man. Can you imagine Come on. Kenneth Copeland being told by God, I don't enjoy your company? Well, he changed all that. And you know what? God hangs out with him all the time now. Dear God, and what God talks to him about takes hours and hours and hours to preach it, praise God. Amen. I, I kind of wish sometimes the Lord wouldn't spend so much time with him. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Brother Copeland, if you heard that, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Small thinking, negative talking. Check up on your vocabulary. Above and beyond faith demands that you get rid of small thinking and negative talking. Can you say amen? Amen. Number three, permitting the opinions of others to influence you. We mentioned that earlier. Permitting the opinions of others to influence you. That'll That'll limit your faith. Now let's remember, God gave you this faith, it's yours, and nobody has a right to limit it. But a lot of people allow other people's opinions to influence them. If, if Carol and I allowed other people's opinions to influence us, we certainly would not be where we are today. Isn't that true for you, Jesse and Kathy? We would not be where we are today if we allowed other people's opinions to influence us. How many of you noticed that right after you got born again, filled the Holy Ghost, got excited about the Word of God, all of a sudden some of your relatives felt it was their call in life to discourage you? Amen? You, you just... And I, I know when I first came into this, and some of my relatives didn't understand. You know, they didn't understand. And, and trying to explain it to them sometimes was almost a waste of time because they weren't spiritually minded. Yeah, that's right. You know, so they, they'd have a hard time understanding me talking about renewing your mind. Huh? <laughs> I remember my own mom, you know, uh, when, when she would, when we'd go to visit her. And of course, we're raising the kids in this. We're teaching them. And my mother would say something so negative. And, and our kids were not used to hearing that in our house. We didn't talk negative anymore. And Jerry Ann and Terry, they're just little girls. And, and, mom, and their grandmother, my mother, would say something so negative. And the girls say, Nanny or, or Grandma, don't confess that. My mother didn't have a clue what they was talking about. <laughs> Don't confess that. You know, until they moved over here and went to work with me and I became my own parents' mentor. And they began to learn the word and, 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 and change the way they thought and change the way they talked, you know, and, and so forth. But they didn't understand that at first. What do you mean, don't confess that? <laughs> How many of you had that come up? We're trying to minister to your family. They don't have a clue what you're talking about. What do you mean don't confess that? I remember John Osteen came out with a book years ago, way back there a long time, great book, and it's called The Confessions of a Baptist Preacher. <laughs> oh, it sold like hotcakes because they thought he was talking about sin. <laughs> the Confessions of a Baptist Preacher. They thought he was going to tell all the ugly stuff he'd done. No, it was learning how to confess the Word of God. <laughs> he was talking about, you know, and then he came out with another book later called There's a Miracle in Your Mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have to be careful of small thinking, of negative talking, and permitting the opinions of others to influence us. And then number four, allowing your environment, your culture, your culture, your beliefs, your ideals, and your mindsets that don't line up with the Word of God to control you. Let me say it again. Allowing your environment, culture, beliefs, ideals, and mindsets that don't line up with the Word of God to control you. That will limit your faith. This is one of the things God was endeavoring to reveal to us in His 
dealings with Abraham. Abram, as he was known at that time. When God told Abram, get thee out of thy country, away from your father and your kindred. What was God endeavoring to do? And he's telling him, and you do this, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with all this land and, 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 and all these promises God made to him. But he said, I need for you to leave your father, your, your, your kindred, leave your country, and I'm going to bless you. Now, God wasn't saying that he had to hate his father, that he couldn't love his father anymore. But you have to understand, Abraham, Abram's father was a sun worshiper. Now, don't you think he'd passed all that down to Abram and his kindred? Come on. And God is saying to him, when he said, leave your country, it wasn't just a geographical move alone. His country represented culture, environment, beliefs, ideals. Right. If you've never traveled to other countries... You know, there are some countries that you travel to and their, their cultural beliefs and ideals are totally different than in our nation. And so when he said, leave your country, it wasn't just a geographical move. Because listen, if you, don't, if, if you are a small thinker and a negative talker in Fort Worth, Texas, and you don't do something about it, and you move to Cleveland, Ohio, you'll still be a negative thinker and a, a, a negative talker and a small thinker. That's right. yes, sir. So location was not what God was talking about entirely. He did want him to change his location, but the main thing was he had to get him out from under his father's influence and what his father believed and what his kindred believed. And did you notice it was hard for Abram to do that? In fact, he did not leave until his father died. And I think it's interesting in the Hebrew, the name uh, Terah, which was Abram's father. You know what that means in Hebrew? Delay. Abram delayed his move until his father died. That's how strong that attachment was. Now, I had, to, I had to leave my father, leave my country, leave my kindred, so to speak. Not that I, I couldn't fellowship with my family anymore, but in order to renew my mind to what God's Word says, because we didn't know God's Word in our home growing up. I mean, we knew, we knew the Lord. Uh, our, our, our parents were Christian people. They loved God, but they didn't. Not one time I remember my mom and daddy setting me down and teaching me about covenant. Teach me about the blessing of Abraham. I never heard that phrase in our home. They loved God. They were Christian people. I mean, they were good Baptist people. I mean, taught training union. Do you understand whose presence you're in tonight? Mr. Vacation Bible School. <laughs> at Pinecroft Baptist Church. I'd like a little more respect. Come on. <laughs> we went to church, but we didn't know covenant. We didn't know the authority of the believer. Never heard of the phrase. I never heard anything about renewing the mind. And it's all in the Bible. And we had a Bible in our house. Amen. So I had to leave certain things. Our, our pastor, Brother Jerry Smoker, was one of the most wonderful men you'd ever want to meet. Precious man at the Baptist church there where Shirley and I, my sister, grew up. And, and when I started dating Carolyn, and she's wanting me to go to church with her, and she went to a Pentecostal church. And I, I'd never even heard the phrase Pentecostal. I didn't know what Pentecostal was. And talking in tongues, I'd never even heard of that. And so I'm going to church with her because I'm dating her, you know. And, and I remember seeing Brother Smooker one time, and he said, now, he had this real deep voice. And he called it Jury. And his name was Jury, too. And he'd say, now, Jury, you need to get on back over where you belong, son. 
He said, now, the Creech family, are, they, he, he lived right next door to the Creeches or across the street. Carolyn's mom and dad, he said, now, the Creeches are wonderful people, son, but you need to come on back home. We don't believe quite like them, you know. And then, you know, Carolyn and I decided to marry, and I guess he thought I was going to bring Carolyn to Pinecroft Baptist, but she took me to Life Tabernacle or whatever the church was at the time. And, and you know, every time I'd see Brother Smooker, now Jerry, those are wonderful people, but they don't believe like us. You need to come on back home, son. Well, then we moved over here, you know, and and uh, then I, when I left Brother Copeland's ministry and launched out in my own ministry and, and then, you know, and I'm on television and, and we went back to Shreveport to visit her family one time. And I thought, I wonder if Tommy Wilson's barbershop is still open where I used to get my, my dad and I used to get our hair cut. I needed a haircut and I said, Carol, I'm going to go up and see if the old barbershop's still open. Went up to Tommy Wilson's and there was Brother Smooker sitting in the chair. Places full of people. You know, men waiting for their haircut. And Brother Smooker turned and he saw me and he said, Now there's a man. I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm proud of your jury, you know. <laughs> he taught me everything I knew. And see, he was a wonderful man. I loved him. Yeah. I used to mow the man's yard, you know, and, and he was just. I mean, you could, nobody could even sneeze in our neighborhood that it wasn't five minutes, Brother Smooker's knocking on the door checking to see if you're okay. Yeah. Everybody loved Brother Smooker, yeah. you know. But I'm learning something that he didn't know. That didn't make him a bad guy. He just didn't know. If he'd have known this, I'm sure he would have preached it. So I had to leave my country. One, because if I'd have stayed in that environment... I wouldn't be where I am today. Amen. So, God gave you this faith. Look at your neighbor and say, God gave me this faith. It's my faith. And no one has the right to put limitations on it. Okay? No one has the right to put limitations on it. Only you can limit your faith. And you do it by number one, small thinking. Number two, negative talking. Number three, allowing uh, the opinions of others to influence you. And number four, by allowing your culture, environment, former beliefs and ideals to control you. Sometimes you just have to leave your country. And did you notice even when Abram finally left, he took a lot with him. There are just some traditions some people just aren't willing to let go of. Right, that's so true. That's true. They're just so deeply connected to some beliefs. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, we believe God wants us to bless us, but we don't believe he wants us rich. Yeah. <laughs> See, you're still carrying a lot around. You got Lot hanging on to Lot, pulling him around with you. And if you notice, finally, when God said, Abram, get rid of Lot. Tell him, choose whatever direction he wants to go. Give him first choice. And Abram did. And as soon as he let Lot go, God turned to Abram and said, now look, as far as you can see, the north, the south, the east, the west. What does he say? Son, you're now ready for the above and beyond. Can you say amen? How many of you are ready for the above and beyond? Hallelujah. You receive this tonight? Give the Lord a shout if you do. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Praise God. Let's dare to believe big. Hallelujah. Let's break away from the crowd. Hallelujah. Let's break away from whatever traditions and ideals and beliefs that are still holding us back. Cut your ties with them. Amen. Because there's above and beyond out there waiting for you. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Father,
I have delivered this word to the best of my ability, and I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to take these words and cause them to lodge deeply in the hearts and minds of every person in here. Lord, reveal to them individually what do you want them to dare to believe you for? I know that whatever they come up with, you want it to be bigger than that. In the name of Jesus, I speak courage and boldness on every person in here. In the name of Jesus, the courage to think and to believe big, the boldness to dare to ask God for big things in your life, in your business, in your ministry, and refuse to waver and refuse to back down until it comes to pass. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Give him a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. Smile real big at somebody and say, and I'm bold enough to do it. Amen. Praise God.